Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today on the podcast, I'd like to talk to you about hospitality, in particular, hospitality in your church. Let's ask the question together, do visitors to your church really feel welcome? And let's not presume the answer to that question. I think most churches believe they are welcoming and hospitable. Um, I, it's rare to, to find a church that, that believes that it's inhospitable or unwelcoming to visitors. But I want to go over sort of a, a, a checklist, a five-step visitor hospitality checklist to think through as leaders and members of a church in determining if visitors actually feel welcome in your congregation when they show up on Sunday morning. Um, I don't know of any church leader who wants visitors to their services to feel unwelcome or uncomfortable, and yet it still surprises me that many churches still don't think through some of the ways, uh, some obvious, some subtle, that work against making visitors feel at home with the congregation. So if you're a church leader who cares about the experience of hospitality for those who visit your church, I hope you will work through the following questions with your eyes open, your eyes open to the impression that your church may be leaving visitors. So let's start with a checklist. Here's, here's the number one question. Do you have visible, prominent, clear, helpful signage? What is your signage like? This is one of the most basic additions to enhance the visitor experience in your church, and yet it's one that continues to be lacking in many church facilities that I visit. Um, I grew up in the church. I've been in a lot of church buildings throughout my life and in my ministry travels. I still find it difficult to navigate what ought to be familiar church architecture. I keep running into buildings um, that I can't make heads or tails of, and I can't imagine how people unfamiliar with familiar church layouts may feel when they encounter them. Just add on to the discomfort of being a visitor or being a newcomer, maybe even an unchurched visitor, uh, the sort of um, uh, uncomfortability that could come with that, and then layer on top of that, not being able to navigate a building. So underneath that question, what's your signage like? Let me ask this question. Where's your front door? Um, some church complexes, usually large churches built between the 1950s and 1980s, or churches that have experienced numerous building additions, right? You have an existing church building, as the church has grown, you keep adding uh, rooms, wings, departments, and the result can be, the end result can be that it's very difficult to even determine in some church facilities where the entrance is. Where's the front door? What's the door that I'm supposed to walk through to even get in? Um, I've walked around the outside of entire buildings when I have visited certain churches trying to find uh, where the front door is, and, and you keep trying all these different doors. You find all these different doors locked, and it can be extremely frustrating. Your church complex should have very clear signage indicating, number one, where visitors should park, uh, what door they should enter through, and then what they should do next, right? So here's that second sub-question underneath the signage checklist question, which is this, where do I go? Now I'm in the front door. Where do I go? Once I'm inside the building, I often have trouble determining where to go for my class or to the worship service. Um, most churches, of course, have easily visible sanctuaries, but if yours is hard to find, you got to go down some hallway, um, it's on the other side of a wall, 
Um, there's multiple doors that look like they could be the sanctuary entrance. Please provide signs that direct the way. Also very helpful, of course, at the point of entry are signs for parents. So you're bringing kids in and, and, and you're trying to figure out, um, I want to take my kids to the nursery or to child care or to children's church or Sunday school or what have you. Um, as an introvert, just speaking for all my fellow introverts out there, I'm more inclined to look for this information on a sign than I am to walk up to a stranger uh, who may not know the information anyway. You know, as soon as you build up the uh, confidence to go, you know, ask a stranger, where do I take my kids? Um, and then it turns out that stranger has no idea. They don't know where to take your kid. Um, the signage becomes more important. So your commitment to provide clear signage helps visitors navigate your building, and it just sort of adds to their experience. Um, it adds to the hospitality of the experience. Okay, second checklist question. Do you have greeters who are both welcoming and informed? It kind of goes back to that asking a stranger question. Do you have greeters who aren't just welcoming but also informed? The first part, welcoming, sounds like a no-brainer. Uh, you know, you want people who are friendly, people who are smiling. Uh, but sometimes friendly people, right, you pick the extroverts to handle this role, and they can be easily distracted, right? And I've walked past greeters at a front door who are perhaps holding the door open for me and my family, but they're engaged in distracted conversation with their fellow greeter opposite them. It's sort of a, a parallel experience. I don't know if you've ever been to the grocery store and you're checking out and the clerk is engaged in some sort of you know, gossip or other just normal chit-chat conversation with the sacker. And it almost feels like you're intruding on some conversation that, you know, that you've interrupted their time, uh, you know, with your groceries. And it's somewhat of a similar experience. You're walking through a door. The greeter isn't really making eye contact with you. They're not looking at you. They seem friendly enough, but they're engaged in conversation with the other greeter. And you're just sort of incidental to the process. So I'm glad greeters are having a good time. Uh, but not acknowledging my family's presence is tantamount to not even being there at all. Uh, but thankfully, most greeters manage to actually greet most of the time. Uh, you know, they shake hands, they smile, they say good morning, they say hello, glad that you're here. Uh, but the part where uh, greeting ministries fall short, I think, is having knowledgeable people at the point positions of hospitality. Um, last year, my family visited a church where we were greeted very warmly by a friendly and enthusiastic lady who was sort of the point person there. So far, so good. Uh, but then we asked questions because she was the one who greeted us, said hello, and it was just very natural for us to ask questions about Sunday school. Where should we take our kids? Um, where should we go for sun the Sunday school that we knew the church had? And she didn't know the answers to the questions. She wasn't quite sure what classes were available. Uh, she ended up guessing about where my wife and I belonged. And, uh, you know, so we weren't particularly offended when she led us to the class for people in their 50s and 60s. Uh, but some other visitors might would be if you're guessing at their age and, and you don't get it quite right. And she also wasn't quite sure where the youth class met. So for my teenage daughter, she wasn't sure what classes that they should go into. So make sure your greeters aren't just friendly. I mean, that's a bare minimum. Uh, but make sure that they're informed and helpful. Thirdly, third point on the checklist, do you make visitors feel conspicuous in the worship service, this has become somewhat cliche. I just have to say to you, please stop it. Please seriously stop this practice of singling out visitors in your worship gathering. Uh, um, some visitors don't care. I mean, let's be honest. Some visit, you know, visitors 
don't have a problem with this. They may actually appreciate the attention uh, or feel in some sense welcomed in that way. But the uh, cost, I think, is greater to the benefit because many of your visitors will not be glad to be singled out. And this will end up being a net loss for you in terms of hospitality. So make a clear and vocal welcome to visitors. Perhaps point them to an informational card that you have, um, you know, in the chair in front of them or in the pew rack or wherever you have that information. Um, You know, I grew up in a church that asked visitors to wear red badges that said visitor on them. And we stopped doing that once we figured out that nobody wanted to wear that. Um, You know, it's like saying, outsider, here's my badge that shows you I don't belong here. Um, And so our efforts of hospitality eventually um, serve to make guests feel conspicuous and, in a way, ogled. Thankfully, there's fewer and fewer churches putting guests on the spot in their services, uh, but still more need to get there, I think. I visited another church a couple of years ago that asked visitors to fill out a card so the church could have a record of their visit. That's good. That's a good way to inform and make contact with visitors. But then they asked visitors to hold those cards up in the air so ushers could come by and and receive them. And I just thought, oh, no, 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 this is another way to make visitors feel conspicuous in the service. Um, It's obviously not as bad as making them stand up and introduce themselves uh, or wear a name badge identifying themselves as a different participant in the service. But that can still be an opportunity for discomfort for many folks who just want to blend in and observe and feel comfortable in taking in what is, in general, sometimes an uncomfortable experience, a new person at a new church just trying to see if they may belong there or fit there. Fourthly, the fourth checklist uh, question, do you welcome your guests at all? Yes, the worship gathering is primarily for the covenanting members of your local fellowship, But only a rude family fails to warmly welcome guests. So help visitors to feel at home, at the very least, with a good greeting from the pulpit or the stage. And here's what a good visitor greeting ought to include. Number one, an acknowledgement um, by the announcement giver, if that's a pastor or some other leader, uh, of the guest's presence. Thank them for visiting. Offer an invitation to let them know, um, you know, if, if, if there's a way you can serve them in any way. Uh, direct them to the info card or another means of noting their visit with a request of placing that info card or welcome card in an offering plate or another box or receptacle. Better yet, give guests the option of placing that info card in the offering plate or taking to an information table or information booth, perhaps in your foyer or another means of contact, in exchange for a gift. This is a great way to both ensure that not only do you have a record of that person's visit, but you are practicing hospitality by providing guests a small token of your appreciation. Um, I've seen numerous churches do this really well with gift bags and and gift boxes and other items. Um, I've received coffee mugs with the church logo on them, uh, bags of coffee itself, books, pens, small gift cards, you know, to Starbucks or other places, um, cookies or treats. There's lots of different options that you can employ as a token of your appreciation, a small gift in thanking the visitor for coming. Um, And then also just a request that your visitors refrain from giving. When I was pastoring in Vermont, I used to say, as part of our welcome to visitors, please be our guest today and do not feel compelled to give during our offering time. 
which is an act of worship intended for our members and regular attenders. And I had one member once say that he thought that wasn't a good idea because we may have guests who want to give. Uh, but I decided to stick with that request and just suppose that if a, a visitor f- really felt compelled to give, they would just ignore my request and give anyway. But others would feel um, sort of let off the hook. They would feel um, that the pressure was taken off and feel welcomed that way. And since the time I began giving that disclaimer or that statement, our giving actually increased. It actually went up. So maybe you can figure that one out. Uh, fifthly and finally, fifth checklist question, do you appropriately follow up with visitors? Uh, and keyword there is appropriately. Uh, we recently had some friends visiting with us from out of town. They attended worship with us at Liberty Baptist Church, where my family um, is members. And we filled out the information card. Uh, for our visiting friends. And even though our friends listed their out-of-town address and our church follow-up team could rightly deduce that these visitors weren't likely to be looking for a new church in our area, they sent them a card anyway. And my friend later remarked to me how special and loved they felt, especially since the card was completed by a childcare worker who mentioned the visiting sons by name and what a joy it was to serve them. In terms of return on investment, there really was nothing in it for this volunteer at Liberty Baptist except to know that she, and by extension our church, had warmly welcomed a guest. So if you receive info cards from guests that include contact details, a personal touch, um, or what have you, it, it, it really beats a form letter or a form email any day of the week. Maybe your fellowship can assemble a team of hospitality-minded folks to cover that responsibility. We have a team that immediately after the service receives those info cards from the ushers who've received the offering. They immediately go into a room and begin handwriting notes and cards. Um, It's a very efficient way to handle that, Um, but perhaps there's another way, another time in the week that a team that you assemble can go over those cards. I just think in our day and age, uh, a personal note, a written note or a written card can go a longer way than the impersonality of emails or text messages. On the other hand, many folks are likely to be put off by what is often deemed an over-personal contact in follow-up. So it may be, depending on your context, best to avoid making a phone call or perhaps even worse in some environments, not all environments, but in many, and I think increasingly so, the pop-in visit, just showing up at their home uh, to visit them. Your community and its cultural temperament for such things might be different, but in many places today, the unannounced drop-by visit is seen as an unwelcome intrusion. So send a handwritten card or note thanking the guests for their visit. Invite them to visit again. Request that they share any prayer needs or questions or opportunities for service with you. Make yourself available to them that way. All right, these five questions may seem like no-brainers for you, uh, but I think there's still a good checklist to work through, perhaps with your team, as sometimes leaders assume a clarity that more insight can reveal isn't quite so clear. So just to review very briefly the five questions for the hospitality checklist. Do you have visible, prominent, clear, and helpful signage? Do you have greeters who are both welcoming and informed? Do you make visitors feel conspicuous in the worship service? Do you welcome your guests at all? And fifthly and finally, do you appropriately follow up with visitors. I hope that this will be a service to your church. As always, if you like the podcast, share it with your friends, review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. 
And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, managing editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.